1: Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on alamoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Alamoves.
2: Welcome to Fat Mascara. It's Jess. Hi, Jess. Hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome. I'm Jen. Oh, my gosh. What a great interview we have today. Paulina Poritzkova. I mean, where do we begin? We could have talked to her for like hours more. We could be, we could be talking to her right now. Like we just had this amazing like conversation I've... about like women, aging, magazine covers, relevance, like all of this. We need Paulina on the line.
1: Oh, yeah. she. I feel like she's going to be my new pundit for like a lot of things. I don't know, I loved her. I loved her. If you're if you're new to the pod because you want to hear from Paulina, welcome. Fridays we do a deep dive interview with someone and today it's Paulina Portskova. She's most famously a model, probably, having worked throughout the 1980s, tons of covers, pretty much every fashion magazine you've ever heard of, Vogue, Elle, Harper's Bazaar, you name it. Ad campaigns for Chanel, Versace, Revlon, Sports Illustrated, swimsuit issue covers. She acted, she did a movie. And then she was on lots of TV in the aughts. She was on America's Next Top Model, Dancing with the Stars. Now she's a writer. I shouldn't say now, though. She's a writer because she wrote a novel back in 2007 called Model Summer, but her first book of essays is coming out now. Actually, just came out on Wednesday. It reads like a memoir to me. It's called No Filter. She talks a lot about her marriage to rock star Rick Ocasek, who died in 2019. And actually, I found her essays on that topic and topics of, like, Betrayal and love and honesty to be some of some of her best work. But we're not here to talk to her about that so much as beauty, because this is a beauty podcast. So we're going to be focusing on um, you know, her thoughts on beauty. She talks a lot about opting into the or opting out of the whole anti-aging beauty world, which Jess and I continue to be fascinated with here at the pod, her modeling career. She's just so honest, right? Yeah, she's
2: honest, she's fearless. It feels like it was hard won
1: and. Yeah, I w- would not mind to grow up acting a little bit yeah. more like. Also, Paulina. book titles perfect after having talked to her. No filter is is a great name, and she pokes fun yeah. at that a little bit in the book. So, I will link the book in our show notes so that you could check it out as well. It was such a good read; I like tore through it. I hope you like it, and I hope you enjoy our chat. So here's Paulina. So Paulina, welcome to Fat Mascara, first of all. Hi. Hello,
0: thank you. Very delighted to be here.
1: So I didn't know this about you before I read your book, that you were famous even before you came became a model. You wrote about this beautifully in your book, but for those who aren't familiar, can you sort of share how as like as a baby, really not even a child, you know, you were famous because of a big news case that was going on in Europe. Can you tell everybody about that?
0: Yeah, I was kind of like the nineteen seventies Alien Go- Gonzalez, if you remember that case with a Cuban refugee child. Well, that was me in a way. My parents left Czechoslovakia when it was being invaded by the Soviets in nineteen sixty eight. I was three years old, and they left me with my grandmother because it was obviously a dangerous situation to escape. You know, it's not it's not like they uh, were just trotting out with no problems. They were on a on a motorcycle, and they were weaving in and out of tanks and people were getting killed. So, and they thought that once they got out, they would be able to get me out. I, they were very young. They didn't really know any better. What yeah. ended up happening though, is that they got out and the borders closed and they couldn't get me and uh, they couldn't come back because they were criminals as you know, for having immigrated and nobody was going to send me out. So my parents decided to do the only thing they could think of, which was a stage a hunger strike in Stockholm in front of the Czech embassy Mm -hmm. to sort of raise awareness of their plight. You know, that we have this little daughter and the communists won't let her go. And they managed to amass a lot of Swedish sympathy. Eventually, a Swedish newspaper decided to fund a kidnapping of me. And they uh, they would fund the story. My mom got a false passport, glasses, wig, this whole disguise thing. And these two Swedish adventure pilots... They were going to fly her into the country. They were going to kidnap me on my way from school. Just, you know, they had a false passport for me. They were going to take me in the car and drive off and fly off and go to Sweden. It's funny how nobody thought about kidnapping a little girl that actually hadn't grown up with her mother and how I would feel being like shoved into a car, right? By complete strangers. I mean, (laughs) traumatizing to (laughs) say the least. There is not, you know, I think some, some things just happened. Anyway, it didn't succeed. They, (laughs) they, uh, they rented a car and they were driving to our town to kidnap me and they got busted for speeding. And then they were taken to a police station, interrogated, found out that they weren't who they claimed they were. And so they all got put in jail. But because my mother was famous, the, and the newspaper just got a much better story than they even bargained and for. And you
1: mean famous because of the hunger strike, right?
0: Oh, well, and because after the hunger strike, you know, it, it kept being in the, the newspapers yeah. and the magazines. You know, they, like, they followed my parents on this quest to try to get me back. So because she was a well-known person, in Sweden, she she got amnesty and then she was put in house arrest in my grandmother's house. She also, when she came to kidnap me, she was six months pregnant with my little brother. So then she gave birth, mm-hmm. and they and they let her be in house arrest instead of in prison. Amnesty. The poor two poor Swedish pilots, though, I think they did at least ten years in jail. I, I don't really know what happened to them, but I know they were in yeah. there for a really long time. And. It got to a point where my my father had a meeting with Olaf Palme, the Swedish prime minister, to see if he could help pull some strings. And then ultimately, there was the hockey games of 1972, friendship hockey games between the Czech Republic, well, Czechoslovakia and Sweden. And the Swedes refused to play the Czechs unless they released us. And I guess at that point, it just got bored. That did it. Yeah, the the (laughs) Czech government said, you know what, just out, out. We don't want to hear any more about you. We don't, you know, you're not welcome back.
1: How old were you at that point that you finally reunited in Sweden?
0: I was nine years old. And so I hadn't seen my dad since I was three. So I didn't really know him.
1: You didn't know them.
0: And uh, in a way, it wasn't a bad thing because my dad promptly told my mother he had met somebody else and didn't really want to be married. So. (laughs) I
1: don't mean to have you get into all that. I mean, the reason I asked is because it's like, your whole life, you've been like images of you that you couldn't sometimes control. It's like a theme in your life.
0: Images that I could never control. I never had yeah. any say about what was presented of me to the public.
1: I mean, that changes now. Here you are with a book that you get to present yourself. And we'll get we'll get into that too. But I just wanted to give people some background because I think even when I told people we were interviewing you, a lot of people said, oh, I had posters of her on my wall. Or (laughs) I remember her Sports Illustrated. You know, they think of you first as a model and maybe an actress without possibly knowing that story. But can we talk for a second about growing up before you were nine in a communist country? Like, you weren't even then, I imagine, exposed to all of the trappings of beauty that we all have now, like perfumes and skin creams and makeup. Like, was that around? No. (laughs) No. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing?
0: I think it's, well, I mean, we were aware. Look, I was a kid, so I didn't really care much about makeup. But I think there was an awareness that other people had things we didn't. And so that, you know, there's this tension, underlying tension of knowing that there's something beyond what you can ever get. And I think, so it's probably better that you have access to it rather than that you're completely forbidden, you know? Well, I know you worry about for, like
1: your neighbor once painted your nails, but she only painted one because she didn't. Want yeah,
0: because the nail polish was too expensive. <laughs> Did
1: yeah. that feel like fun? Was that like an intro? Like, how are you introduced to that kind of stuff? If if it well, wasn't around that,
0: much? I I, I, that, I guess that it was my, our neighbor Pani Rusova, that introduced me to the concept of of even makeup because my grandmother I don't recall ever using any. My aunt did. I mean, we did have some really cheap brands, you know, yeah. like the super bright turquoise eyeshadow and like the kind of mascara that you spit in and then like you know <laughs> do the brush thing with a spit. Yum. <laughs> so it, it existed. It just wasn't very plentiful or very good. Yeah. And to me, it was. I didn't. I didn't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it, but I do remember thinking that our neighbor, who was sort of a middle-aged woman at that point, was she would wear lipstick, really bright lipstick, and she would wear nail polish, and she would have her hair done and I remember thinking that she was somehow almost overly bright, but I remember thinking that for her age, she was too noticeable like she, she noticeable. You know, everybody her age was wearing house coats and had permed hair with the same exact shade of red because apparently there was only one color in the Eastern European. Was like a mahogany Wait, everybody red. Everybody had red hair. Like everybody had mahogany <laughs> red hair. One
1: shade of mahogany. mahogany red. <laughs> yeah.
0: To this day, when I see somebody with mahogany red hair, I'm like Russian, Polish, <laughs> Serbian. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: So, how old do you think that woman was? The one who was too noticeable.
0: Probably in her early fifties.
1: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. And it's se- and did it and it seemed quote unquote old to you?
0: Oh, when I was. Six, seven, nine, yeah, but she yeah. was my grandmother's age, so she was you know yeah. she was an old old woman, yeah, and old women were supposed to wear polyester house coats and be outside the doors to you know sweeping the the front stairs, <laughs> sounds and like baking. a witch yeah. and baking, well, it's you know crone, yeah,, and, uh,
2: and nice, yeah. exactly, so what did it represent when you were a teenager what who, who did represent beauty to you
0: well you know, it
2: wasn't a 51-year-old
0: woman. No, it wasn't. I mean, you know, I was a kid, so of course, princesses and ballerinas were a big deal for me, just like for most little girls. I don't mm-hmm. know why we have such a inclination to those pink tutu skirts, but we had, a, we had children's programs on TV, mostly Russian ones, but, you know, what was pretty to kids there is kind of what's still pretty to kids here. It's like you know, fluffy pink ballerinas and princesses with lots of sparkles. So that was my idea of beauty as, as well as anybody else's. And that only started switching over when I moved to Sweden, where, sure, princesses were still, you know, it was still cute. But then I started, I, I started coming into my teens, and so I started noticing, you know, models and actresses. And then my beauty ideals sort of started changing.
2: Now, how so? Like when you were, started modeling... How did that affect your idea, ideals of beauty?
0: For me, to become a model was a really puzzling experience because, again, with my backstory, mm-hmm. when I arrived in Sweden, I was, uh, I was a famous political refugee. Guess what? It doesn't make you popular in school. Did
2: you mm-hmm. know that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I had a lot of, you know, stinky communist comments, and I was getting pretty mercilessly bullied by the cool kids in school. Mm-hmm. And, and I was always called ugly. And so I thought, okay, so, you know, that's fine. I'm ugly. And I'll, I I listened to a lot of Schubert and read Julius Caesar. And I thought, well, I'm ugly, but at least I'll be smart. And then overnight, it seems, I was in Paris and I was called beautiful. And this made absolutely no sense to me. It's like, uh, the face I see in a mirror is exactly the one I had two weeks ago in Sweden, where I yeah. was ugly and now I'm beautiful. So clearly... You, it's not about me. It's about people's perception of me. It's like I moved locale and all of a sudden I'm like a different person. So it was kind of a good early start to understanding the beauties in the eye of the beholder. Very much, yeah.
1: But were there other models that you worked with, like that you, that you had known as beautiful? Could you see any similarities in yourself?
0: Hmm, not really. I mean, I was, I was a, a brunette back then before all the grays came in. And I, you know, I had this Slavic face, this square face with the cheekbones. And at, at that time in 1980, the beauty ideal was most definitely blonde and sort of very all-American. There was great big white smiles and very sort of sporty and athletic looking women. Uh, like a Christy Brinkley
1: kind of. Yeah, yeah. and,
0: and, and mm. Kim Alexis and, and Kelly Emberg. And, and in Paris, it was uh, this girl named Carrie Nygren, who kind of became my friend for a little bit. And she was a Swedish model. So to me, she was like... Oh God. And it all very toothy blonde, And I had these like totally messed up teeth. Cause I used to have a space between each one of my teeth. These are bonded. These are, these are fake. Thank you, doctor. <laughs> and so I was absolutely not the template of Didn't what feel, was yeah. called beautiful at the time. And and also I knew they were all, you know, that somebody had made a t- tremendous mistake inviting me to model because like clearly, <laughs> But did me? you feel
2: comfortable? Were you like, or did you have like kind of an easy attitude about it? Or did you feel like this is, I'm not, I'm in the wrong room?
0: Oh, no. I mean, I had the imposter syndrome for probably following 30 years, actually. <laughs> uh, no, I just, I felt like, I felt like somebody had made a tremendous mistake. And I was just biding my time and, and waiting for them to send me back and discover that mm-hmm. they had made a mistake and, and, and send me back home. And it took a really long time actually before. And it's funny. It's like the, you know, boiling, slow boiling frog. Yeah. Things goes like little by little by little. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm a supermodel in the United States. And I don't even know how I went to that stage without noticing and, and still sort of holding to my imposter syndrome until one day I was like, oh, wait, no, I am fabulous. Thank you very much. No, what, not what was that to. day?
1: Yeah, oh, there is. It? No, no,
0: no. There's no, there's again, slow boiling. Frog. Rhetorical,
1: rhetorical. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you.
1: I don't know. Maybe the Sports Illustrated cover did it. I'm trying to picture like. You know, you I was like, on okay.
0: so many covers before Sports Illustrated. And, yeah. and plus, when, when I first got booked for Sports Illustrated, I was like, I don't want to do tennis catalogs. I, I don't do sports. And they're, you know, my agent's is like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You're yeah. <laughs> like. You know, most American models would like cut off their right arm to be in this. And I was like, well, I'm not American. I don't care. But then, of course, once I got the first Sports Illustrated cover, I understood what all the fuss was about because it made me a household name. That's how I became Paulina Poroskova or the Paulina Poe. What's her name? <laughs>
2: so, OK, I think, Jen, you know what you're asking, Jen, is like, you know, was there like this like, kind of bibbity bobbidi boo moment where you're like, OK, I believe my I believe. I deserve. I believe you know. I'm over my imposter syndrome. Is that what you mean, Jen? Yeah.
1: How about now?
0: Well, yes. Now it's uh, now things have quite changed quite radically. But it's not. It's not because I one day woke up feeling so magnificent and claiming it. It's more like I went through a ton of shit, and I had to relearn who I was, kind of from the beginning, and rethink my entire life to come to a spot where I'm stronger and better than I've ever been. And so now, yes, I am claiming it. It's like I am more powerful than I've ever been. And I think my outsides match my insides. Like I think I'm in equal Mm -hmm. parts attractive on the inside and on the outside. It's kind of like a really good balance.
1: Yeah, I understand what you're saying. A lot of people are, you know, working towards that their whole life. So it's like it's nice to hear from People like you, like oh, here's how it actually happened. Like you know, yeah, therapy just, years of therapy yeah. or whatever. Just have your husband
0: won. die and lose all your money, and yeah, you know, yeah, have your yeah.
1: boyfriend break your I, heart. I don't <laughs> wish what you've been through on anybody, but I sometimes it takes huge things like that, right, to feel okay about yourself.
0: I think pain can be formative, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and and my pain reshaped me into something. Better. do
1: you ever wish you could go back and live that modeling life with the brain you have now
0: no not for a moment no no thank you because I think if I had the brain that I have now I might have been uh, I might have been more aware of the gratitude at the moment but you know what I, I never I never loved being a model I was always sort of the reluctant model and I know that it is hard for a lot of people to understand because it's such a it seems like such an enchanted, amazing a glamorous world, but it, it really isn't. It's a, it, it becomes a job just like any other job. Yes, we are overpaid, no question about it. But I still, to this day, detest trying on clothes. That, that to me is work. So I'll just go and buy things that I think are my size and then return them when I find out they don't fit. I could save myself time, but no, it's too much work.
2: So why, yeah, besides, you know, you're saying it's a job, it's not glamorous. I think growing up, certainly in, in, in my time, it definitely seemed glamorous. It was, you know, the era of the supermodel, whether it was like you know, 90s supermodel or then like, you know, cool Kate Moss kind of supermodel. And then like, you know, even like Tyra Banks, you know, what, what did she say? Like she had a catchphrase. I'm forgetting the catchphrase.
0: Okay. All I, all I remember of Tyra is smiles.
1: Yes, exactly. I remember that, and I remember Linda saying, "Like I don't get out of bed for ten thousand dollars a day." But now, right. see,
0: that's a kind of a snarky comment that's perfectly acceptable within our job when we speak to each other, when we're talking to the glam team, and mm. and, and snarky comments fly left and right. But once you say that to the public, you don't understand I mean, that how it to comes you, right? across.
1: In I, I guess in like nineteen eighty nine, you said, "Like, well, I I like the money, but the, not the job." It just like. Yeah. Stand in front of a camera. It's not very creative. People didn't like that, did they?
0: No, not at all. I got a lot of flack for being the model who bites the hand that feeds her. I was like, well, I just because I say how I feel doesn't mean I'm biting the hand that feeds me. I mean, I'm super professional. I show up on time. I, you know, I arrive at work with clean hair and shaved legs. I stay and I do my best because that's just how I work, I, anything I do, I want to do to the best of my ability. Do I need to also say that I adore this this job when I don't? So no, I spoke my truth. <laughs> so and it got me I mean, in trouble, like it sometimes does.
2: Okay, so uh, sorry. The th- thing I was trying to get at is like the um, it was it was positioned as a super fabulous, glamorous job, like you know. And now it's kind of like the little little exposes are coming out mm-hmm. as everything. Like you know, we live in twenty twenty two now, and like there's got to be an expose about everything, but there are some legitimate exposés like, you know, the Victoria's Secret show, all these people were on drugs. Not, I'm not saying the Victoria's Secret show, separate thing. You know, like, you know, sexual harassment, sexual harassment yeah. jinx, you know, yes. Yeah. So what's, what's, what's your take on this, like, retrospective of the modeling world?
0: Look, in 1980, when I started, it was a different world. It was just a different world. And let's not forget that back then models were very young girls. And so when you're introduced to something as a, as a young kid, you just think it's a part of this world and, mm-hmm. it, and it was so sexual harassment. I don't know if you read the essay called, we were always called girls, mm-hmm. but yeah, sexual, sexual harassment was so commonplace that it was just like, that's a part of my job, you know? So I didn't spend much time thinking about it and my, girlfriends that were models didn't spend much time thinking about it either we just knew that we would go in to the to to the job and if it was a straight photographer we were going to spend half the day you know fending them off but you kind of figure out your little tricks and figure out how to kind of go around it without injuring their egos so that you would get fucked again and we navigated as best as we could Mm -hmm. so i didn't i didn't really think much of it until probably the me too movement started and I thought, oh, wait, all these people that I know are going down. And I, mm. see, I see why now as a woman, I, I, I can see what was wrong with this. But as a, mm. as a, as a, as a young teenager, I, I had no clue.
1: Yeah. Is, is there any, besides that, that, which is a big deal, is there anything when you look at the modeling industry today that still gives you pause? Like, yeah, well, if they're going to fix that, they better fix this, this, and this too.
0: Well, this is something that I've said for a long time, actually, even even before I sort of aged out of the modeling world. Which was there there shouldn't be there shouldn't be girls in the modeling industry. There should be women because you know when you're a girl, you you it's much harder to say no because you're easily manipulated.
2: And what is a girl? Can you define what a girl is? Like what age? Well, it's
0: I guess you can be a a girl. I was going to say at any age, but that's not true it's when you're young and flexible. That's, that's a girl before you sort of have set. I mean, it's like a scientific truth that yet that your brain doesn't fully, that it's not fully formed. And so there's, you know, there should be sort of a, there should be an age limit. Like you shouldn't Mm. be allowed to, or, or at least if this is what the work is and, you know, it shouldn't be done with you know, 17-year-olds. Yeah, it shouldn't be teenagers. Yeah. And I also think that, I do think what, one of the things about uh, modeling that has gotten a lot better is far more representation of body and far more representation of color. Certainly in my day, there was like two black women in the modeling world, was Beverly Johnson yeah. and Iman, and that, that was pretty much it. So thank God we've got way more representation of color and uh, and and even, you know, gender to to a to to a certain ex- extent now, which is all great. I'm all for it. Expand representation of everybody, but age is the last frontier. Not much representation of people that look like me. You know, that's
1: true. With age.
0: wrinkles and not you know not the perfectly smooth skin that reflects the light the way they like it too. Yeah, age is. Uh, and if you are my age, you generally don't look your age
1: if that's you're modeling. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're right. very thin. Right. Because you can't be both all the, you can't have all the, you got to check some boxes. you only have to check one diversity box at a time. It's yeah. sometimes with media. Yeah. I yeah.
2: feel like yeah, the, the women who I see in ads that are like over 40 are like, I mean, of course they're stunning, but they're absolutely stunning and they're like very thin.
0: Yeah. I think, you, I think you're right. I think that if you're a certain age, then then body positivity suddenly goes away. <laughs>
2: It's like it's too much. Too much. Yeah. We, we, yeah. You can't
0: have wrinkles and some flesh. No, only one is allowed. No. <laughs> well actually, wrinkles seem to be worse than flesh right now. But wrinkles is the I other. think, so, I think yeah. the last outpost actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. The other one I noticed I wanted to ask you about was height. <laughs> yeah. In general, all yeah. those are tall. Yeah. And I know you have really you struggled for a while, right, with being so tall. You you likened it to being unfeminine at some point in your life. Is
0: for a lot of how, time. How, in how do you life. feel about
1: it now? Do you, do you love being tall? And how how tall are you?
0: Five eleven. Yeah. Well, now I now I at least accept everything about myself. And height does step on the male domain a little bit. So uh, a tall woman does somehow seem to have more power than a small woman. There's something about that because it gets into the world of the masculine, you know? Huh, yeah. So it, when you're a kid, it's not feminine. That's like, I, you know, I was called moose and giraffe. and None of those things are actually flattering. But then, of course, I married a man who was six foot four. So suddenly I was dainty. So that was great. <laughs> but hitting the dating life now again. Wait, on the apps, do you say, do you have a, a height limit? What do you put? Okay, so I, I, I said Five seven is my on my low on my low scale. Okay, but five seven and up.
1: Well, you know if they put five seven, they're really five five, Paulina. So I'm just preparing. You know what? I just
0: (laughs) recently figured that out. I also found out that if they say (laughs) six, there's
1: some weird. Minimum for men on dating apps, like you will never, even if they're five six, you're never going to see anyone under five seven. It's so it's, weird.
0: It's true. Everybody does seem <laughs> to rest at five seven. I might have to. No, oh, well, but see, I want to. Well, I, I want to be honest about it. So I'm going to just do my bit honestly. And if they're dishonest, then they'll only get one date or a half a date, whatever. <laughs> half a date. But, but I did notice that on the dating apps, the men lie about their height and women lie about their age. It's like, see, and that's there. You have the height thing. Men need to feel taller and women need to feel younger.
1: Yeah. Well, bringing up, bringing up age, like you, now you're back to modeling again sometimes. sometimes, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So how is it different now? Is it different now?
0: Actually, it's incredibly different. It's a completely different ballgame. Like the job is obviously still the same job. And you know, good for me. Muscle memory always kicks in when I'm in front of a camera. It's like I know I like I've done it for so long that I know exactly what to do. So I have this like I, I was in Abu Dhabi for a um, for a summit where I was supposed to be a guest speaker. And then as I had agreed and you know, they got the tickets and everything, they said, oh, and we would like you to also be a part of our fashion show to like walk the fashion show. And I know that a lot of people would be thrilled, but me as a model that had always been seen and never heard, to me, it was a little of a letdown. I was like, oh, I thought I was coming to speak. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that I was going to just be labeled model and stuck back into that box. So I was a little disheartened by it, but it was a small fashion show at the hotel, young girls, African fashion. It was a good, it was a good thing to do. So I agreed, but I was a little miffed. I was like like little, it made me a little sad that, you know, also this is the reason they really want me is to model some coats. It's not because they want to hear me speak. That's my assumptions. Those are on me because I did speak and I did do the fashion show, but it taught me a tremendous lesson because I did the fashion show still like "Mm I have to do the fashion show instead of have dinner with all these amazing, interesting women my age. And when I finished and I like slipped back into my normal, into my cocktail dress and ran back to the table so that I could have like a bite to eat. Cause of course I couldn't eat before that fashion show. All these women started applauding me and coming to me and saying, thank you. Thank you for, thank you for representing us so beautifully.
2: That's really beautiful.
0: And I just, it, it opened up a whole new world to me. I went, oh my God, lead by example, right? Like here I am talking about feeling your best at my age and, and, and for us to us women not, you know, to, to not accept our invisibility cloak that the society keeps trying to drape over us. And leading by example means I have to be seen. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm actually doing something good now. And so it means something entirely different for me. When I accept a modeling job now, it is with this face and these wrinkles and the companies know that they know i mean hopefully do you they
1: stipulate know. like you better not retouch me too much no
0: i i i think everybody's aware that like retouching me too much would be kind of offensive to me and my audience but you know there's there are there's a certain amount of retouching that goes on when you're selling a, a fashion magazine cover sometimes it's wrinkles in the clothing or something you know like there is this is something that They need to know how to best present, and it's their job, not mine, but they do have to pass it through me and have me approve it.
1: Well, because we started out talking about how you didn't really own your image for so, so long. And now it sounds like when you do make fashion images or even on Instagram, you know, you own your, you can show how you want to be represented to the world. Yeah. Would that be? Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's accurate to say. Because, well, when I, I... when I do a job, it's, it's few and far between. I, I know it might look by my Instagram like I'm just modeling my ass off and I'm like back out there.
1: But... <laughs> do you take a lot of those photos? Yeah, I'm always curious. I'm like, wow, no, ladies, this a picture this, taking. A... Yeah, it's
0: like five jobs a year. So, no, I'm not massively modeling. There's not that much demand for a woman my age.
1: So your book came out this week, but I saw that you had taken a picture of it and you're basically nude. Yeah. And then they are holding the book. Mm-hmm. You took that picture, right?
0: Well, actually, it was it was my really good girlfriend, Liz, that took that picture. Oh, I love that. But, yeah. 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 I mean, most of those pictures are me or like a friend that happens to be a girlfriend, usually because I don't have a boyfriend. So it's usually that. Yeah.
2: And were you co- always comfortable like taking that those kind of pictures or were you like the first one that you took? Were you like, all right, let me try this. Or were you like, let's just go for it?
0: Wait, what what do you mean?
2: Specified. Like, because like, you've been taking photos for Instagram that, like, are very, you know, bold, very, like, you know, you're comfortable in your skin, and obviously you get a lot of response for them. But have you always felt very comfortable doing that? Obviously, Instagram is, like... You I mean, mean nude? In the yes. Nude.
0: Oh, yeah. I've always felt really good nude. Nudity's is great. <laughs> I highly recommend it.
2: But social media is a different medium than, you know, advertising or print. Like, social media is a, ver- is a much more immediate kind of medium. So did you feel comfortable just doing it, bam, right for social?
0: You know what? I have always felt, again, I grew up in one of the most gender equal countries in the world where being topless, like in the summer, on the lawn, in the park was normal. I I saw Mm. women driving topless in the summer, you know, because it was hot. So nudity to me was not a big deal. I can't imagine driving nude. I just can't. Well it's topless. If they had panties okay. on, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know though.
1: You couldn't see their bottoms, Paulina. They That's were just true. driving by. <laughs> but how often
0: have you seen a man drive uh, without a shirt?
1: What I guess point. a lot. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. Summer 2023 in the Jeep. I should go topless driving.
0: It's so fun. Oh
1: God. Yeah. it feel- feels like it might get a little irritating. Oh, you know I what? Know.
0: I forgot back in the 70s. But we back didn't then there, seat were no, there was no but yeah. That's right. That's so I think, nude. I think, I think it would be less. Fun that was a good call out. Felt. Yeah. Yeah. But I get point. your
2: point. I get your point.
0: I grew up feeling comfortable with nudity overall. Other people's nudity, my own bodies were something that was healthy and natural. We are all born nude and there's like nothing wrong with it. So when I went to France from there, and also France was kind of very liberal on the, mm-hmm. on the nudist nudie side. So it wasn't until I like, Hit America! That I was like, oh wait, nudity is a problem. Apparently, nudity <laughs> oh, is bad. Welcome. So, nudity what's, what's, wrong, what's wrong, wrong with
2: America? Like, from your perspective, like, what's wrong? Like, I mean, don't like. There's a lot going on with America. So, like, let's <laughs> just stick on nudity. <laughs> that was like a very broad question. What's wrong? Like, why is why are we like this? Yes,
0: I forgot to mention I'm running for office, and now I will tell you everything <laughs> that's wrong with your country, my country.
2: <laughs> what's wrong with America and nudity?
0: Well, I mean, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My opinion. opinion is that 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 people see nudity as something that's shameful. That everybody's body somehow shameful. That yeah. that enjoying your body is shameful. Women who like to have sex are sluts. You know, there's there's so much shame attached to bodies and sex and nudity in this country that I think is really disheartening. Just is a quick story for you two guys. You can cut it out if you will, if you wish. But the, this uh, woman that I worked that helped me. On my book, when she was my reader, she was like, you know, she would let me know, like, when I went wrong and what I did right, because I had to write it in such a short amount of time. She had written a, a book of essays, and she's a hosp- she was a hospice chaplain. And she, in one of her essays, she was talking about, like, people's regrets at the end of their life. And she said, You know, you'd think that it would be like, I didn't spend enough time with my children, and I, you know, I should have done more of this, I should have done more of that. And she said, most people, most women, what they end up regretting the most at the end of their life was not valuing their bodies when they still had them, because now they're going to lose them forever. And they would be crying about, I never felt the wind on my breast. I never valued the body that's carried me this far. I never let it enjoy the sunlight. I was so hung up on everything that was wrong with it that i never celebrated it
1: i've straight up chills
0: yeah that that's
1: makes me sad that's, that's so sad
0: that's how it made me feel when i read it and it also reconfirmed my idea of just take it off <laughs> take off the yeah, shame like, take it, off the preconceived notions just take it all off and 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 be present in your body value. You you don't, if you, if you don't want to feel the wind on your breast, don't, that's fine. Just, You, you know what it
1: makes me think of when people say, and I used to just, I hate this little trope that people pull out about aging and they're like, just feel grateful that you can have wrinkles mm-hmm. because that means that you got older, right? Mm-hmm. So other, and you didn't die young. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, that's so cute. Like, fine. Like, I get it. Yay. I made it to this age. So of course I'm going to have wrinkles, but I also just like, don't listen to it. Cause I see the wrinkles, you know, and I, but the way you just said that to me, I'm like, it's true. I should be grateful for these damn wrinkles, you know?
0: Well, yeah, maybe it just needed to be put to you in a, Way where it captures your heart a little bit more. It's like, look, when you're grieving, do you know how many people come up to you to tell you that grief is just love with no place to go and you want to tell them to fuck themselves?
1: Oh, yeah. I I could imagine. No. Well, no, thank you, ma'am. I I don't need your advice.
0: (laughs) Well, this is kind of in the same ballpark. You know, it's like you're kind of being told something that's very obvious that people think is helpful (laughs) and it's distinctly unhelpful. It just pisses you off. Yeah. But yeah, then you That's know then really you come across a whole
2: story, thank you. You come
0: across yeah. a story like that and you go, oh, that hits home.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So, so if we can expand that to aging, do you feel comfortable with like getting older? Do you do anything to like try and stave off the wrinkles and things like that?
0: You know what? I'm so split on that. I like myself better than I have ever liked myself. I am not offended by my wrinkles. I don't love the saggy bits. I don't know that I'm going to learn to love them. I, I'm not, yeah. again, I'm like, I'm not sure. I just, I know what I find beautiful in other women. And so I'm sort of trying to get my inspiration from, from other women. And, and so, I like, think what,
2: what is that? Sorry, I didn't well, mean to cut you off. I, no,
0: like I look to other women, my age and older, and I find their wrinkles really sexy. Like to me, like, that's their character. It's their life imprinted on their face. I find it really hot. Mm-hmm. So presumably, if I do, there'll there'll be some other outliers that also think it's attractive. So I kind of feel like my job is to try to make that palatable, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can have wrinkles, and you can still be attractive, right? Like, do I have to Yeah, erase? I think that about other
1: women, so right? yeah, why wouldn't I think that about myself?
0: Exactly.
2: I also kind of wonder like where it ends. Like, for example, like, let's say it you never were, ends. Um, like, okay. <laughs> like if you were to just start getting, and I'm not, you know, listeners, like I'm not shaming any kind of procedures or injectables, you know, that I like couldn't, I would sound crazy and hypocritical. We talk about them all the time, but if you were to Paulina, if you were to suddenly start, like you got a facelift, Botox fillers, all that stuff you could not live to a hundred and look the way you look right now. Like, you know, like it's just, you couldn't like, I, you cannot, it's, it's like a freeze time. You can't like, you, you can't just, stop time. You can't. And, and, and there are people who look a, a young 75 versus somebody who's never gotten anything done 75. But like at the end of the day, like no one really wins, you know?
0: Well, at the end of the day, we are told by everybody around us that growing older gracefully means looking younger than your age. So the problem is like right there, is that youth is the ultimate beauty, that we women are treated like objects because we're not allowed to age. And and that's that's where you really notice the objectification of women, right? We're not allowed to age. We're nature, Mm -hmm. nature changes, it has different seasons. But no, we have to be arrested in spring to be viable. So maybe yeah. maybe early summer, you know. <laughs> and it's and, and like and there you have it. So like so as we age and we change, instead of being celebrated for the changes, like hey, look, you know, look at this beautiful fifty-something-year-old, this sixty-something-year-old, this seventy-something-year-old, still looking vibrant and gorgeous and sexy. For like for the for appropriate age, we only celebrate it when they don't look their age. Right. And you know what's like one of the biggest compliments like people give you is, oh, you don't look fifty-seven. You could be like fifty-one. I'm
1: so guilty when people are surprised uh, when they hear uh, my age. I like love it inside. I'm like, woohoo, we're beating the clock.
0: See? But you know what? It's just a it's a flawed, it's a flawed system of looking at what is beautiful, where it's a society that only values youth. And I'm sorry, what is so fucking awesome about being young? Like, really, seriously. Like, you make some really bad decisions when you're young. You, 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 I, I certainly did. You could
1: stay out later, but then not always great things come from staying Precisely, out. Precisely.
0: <laughs> so that you have a bigger hangover the next i mean, day. I was trying to think. I was like, what yeah, was What's great about what being What is young? so amazing about being young? Why are we all so desperate to capture youth?
1: Yeah. I fear of death, probably. I don't know. What was your answer, Jeff? I had fewer responsibilities. Oh, you had fewer responsibilities. Yeah, but I'm That's like talking,
0: true. you know, I'm not talking like when you're like a teenager or in college, <laughs> like we, once you're out on your own. Oh, yeah. yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. There is nothing about it that beats being older. I'm sorry. You know more. You're smarter. I, I mean, just that, just knowing yourself better and yeah. being, you know, being more at home in your skin. All of that is so much better. But we will only celebrate the ones that know nothing or very little. <laughs> I always like
1: admire women like older than all of us that are like, you know, when you get to that, that I don't give a fuck age of mm-hmm. women and they just say whatever they want. And I love that. And I just want to be there. I'm like, maybe I could just skip over the whole middle age part from my 40s through my 70s. Uh, where yeah, So like. you're,
0: you're talking about my <laughs> hashtag between JLo and Betty White. That's exactly what you're talking about. So, yeah, you want to go from JLO you know, 50-something, indeterminate age, looking 39, and then (laughs) being an awesome, yeah, and then being an awesome rocking grandma who's like, you know, foul-mouthed and really funny. But you know what (laughs) both of those have in, in common? They're both visible. Yeah. And the hole in between the two, which is me.
1: Yeah. Or your age cohort, you mean, really, right? What do you mean? Like women in their 50s and 60s. Women do you just mean
0: women in their fifties and sixties that that haven't taken great pains to look younger we are kind of you know we're we're lost. we are in the hole between Jlo and Betty white the
1: hole between Jlo and Betty uh-huh. White
0: That's an excellent way to explain
1: mm-hmm. it. that's perfect.
0: so I'm trying to fill that hole
1: thank you you're doing the, you're doing the work for us you're doing I'm, the, I'm doing it for you the, <laughs>
2: <laughs> well there, it's like there is another way there is another option. you don't have to like claw yourself to agelessness.
0: Well, I mean, just like you said, when does it stop Then, When does it stop? Yeah. Do you think if you are feeling the urge to age gracefully by staying younger looking yeah, maybe when you're like 85 and you go, oh, wait a minute, that was a waste of my time. And now I'm just going to be foul mouthed and funny. You, you have to have developed that talent somewhere along the way. you like, you can't just go from, you yeah, know, you don't, one thing. You don't yeah. go pick
2: it up at the store and no. them, or suddenly change your personality.
0: Exactly. It's something yeah. that life provides you with. So it's something that has to be, you know, in the mix already. And I just think, I think it's uh, a shame and it's kind of painful that that we hold on to something that is precious to whom, you know, youth. Who who is that really important to? Men,
2: yeah. Question. One last question for mm. you. So many things. It sounds like have gotten better. Hopefully, you know. Well, again, we just acknowledged like you know, there's more diversity in modeling. There's
0: more body inclusive. More body diversity.
2: Well, I mean, you kind of said like you know, age diversity is like uh, maybe we're getting there, but like this kind of quest for youth it sounds like it's not getting that much better almost sounds like it's been getting harder like this seems like as as some things are getting better in our culture it sounds like in the beauty space and jen and i talk about this at our show like you know it's almost like a theme this this desperate quest to look younger Mm -hmm. to me it feels like it's only ramping up as these other things are improving That's my perspective.
0: Well, we have more choices, less painful Mm. choices to do it. 30 years ago, you could only have a facelift, right? Mm -hmm. Now you have like a hundred billion lasers and all kinds of machines and injectables and stuff and infrared lights and blue violet lights and whatever. So, and by, again, this is where I'm kind of like, and I, I don't know that I'll ever figure this part out exactly because I- I'm a single woman, so yeah, I want to be seen as attractive. I want to be seen as attractive, but I also want to remain my age. It's like where, you know,
2: and I yeah, it's personally,
0: like this, like, mm-hmm, oh, sorry. Yeah. now I was just going to say personally, I don't like Botox for me because mm-hmm. I think it makes you look prettier and it smooths your face up and it does lift the forehead a little bit and all that. But I use my face to connect with people and I, it's much easier to do without Botox that's just a, that's just a fact you know my you can look at my face and read me instantly in fact sometimes sometimes it's almost distracting because somebody will talk to me and i will just listen and then they, after a while they go what are you doing with your face i'm like uh empathizing and they're like <laughs> That's funny. (laughs) So we do trade in one thing for the other. You know, you can either be pretty or you can uh, express how you feel in your face with fewer words. It's magic. Yeah. So, But you're right. There wasn't this menu of choice. Nobody had to make
1: these choices 30 years ago. No,
0: and we are presented with more and more and more choices. And they're getting cheaper and less invasive and easier to do. So, of course, like which one of us is going to go turn our nose up at it and go, Not me. I mean, you know, I've done plenty of lasers. I can never tell if they did anything because it's like, you know, it's such a, it's such a subtle thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe I look like this because I've used lasers. Maybe if I hadn't, I'd, I'd look older. I don't know
1: you approach it with um, a lot of like common sense that is uh, is really helpful because I think it comes up a lot on our show like well how do I approach it what's the right answer it's got to be the right answer for you like personally you got to figure out what how you want to approach the whole
0: exactly I mean it's about your priorities and if look if making yourself look younger is somehow beneficial to you because you're a single woman because you're a woman who's starting work again you know and 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 we are Women that's my age true. are not desirable. We're just not. We're not desirable in the dating world, and we're not desirable in 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 the workplace.
1: Employer, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, of course, you know, a quick vial of Botox can, like, help you with that. So, yeah, why wouldn't you? And I have the luxury of of having a, a kind of platform so I can, you know, I'm not uh, – any guy that's not going to take me like this is not worth my time, so –
1: Yeah. Paulina, before we let you go, at the end of every interview, we do a little speed round of questions. Cool. Are you game for that?
0: Do I seem like I'm not?
1: No, you seem very not. You (laughs) named your book No Filter, Paulina. So I think that (laughs) we'll get the right answer. So my first question, this is, I just have to know personally, how do you pronounce the Czech soft R? I finished your book and the only question I had was like, she says it's the hardest sound to pronounce and I need to hear it. Please give us some words in Czech with the soft R.
0: Okay. It's good. It sounds like a
1: like a robot like a I, weird yeah. Star Wars. Like a bee, like a little bee got in your mouth. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Yeah, you're welcome.
1: That was so cool. <laughs> what is I have four more. You're not allowed to go yet. What? what's your favorite memoir? I know this is where you did a book of essays, but it reads like a memoir. What's the favorite memoir that you've read?
0: You know what? It's um, now because I read so much. I'm such a consumer of books. I will say the last two memoirs that I read was Selma Blair and Sharon Stone. And I just, so that's the last two that I read. And Do you I enjoy loved. them both? Love them. Yeah.
1: Okay. I've heard really about Sharon Stone's book from some people. I kind of want to read it.
0: Yeah, I just find, fa- find them fascinating women. And, 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 and Selma Blair is a really terrific writer. So her book, um, and also like the whole like mean baby thing and the narcissism in her family. I had some, you know, there's some parallels with, with mine. And so it really kind of, I, I got it. I related. it.
1: Yeah. Wait, this question, my third question is going to be even harder. I was going to ask you your favorite book ever.
0: Well, you know what? I'm just going to, well, again, a mother does not have a favorite of her children, does she? (laughs) But I'm going to tell you my favorite author, Dickens. Charles Dickens is my favorite author. And and I'm going to just say, hands down, I'm rereading Bleak House right now just because it's been a long time since I read it. (laughs) You're like, huh? Oh my um, God. It's a sensational book. Nobody draws character and, and location like Dickens. He's just a freaking master of all masters. So
1: speaking of things wasted on the youth, mm-hmm. Dickens, for sure. Oh, I mean, you know, go. like, you why did I read that when I was like 15? What did I know? Exactly. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> Reading it now, you'd be shocked.
1: I'd pre- it's probably, yeah, at I the, should do that. At the okay.
0: expertise of writing
1: right? Yeah. All right. Favorite photo of yourself and who took it?
0: Oh my God. It's like a work related question. It's like your favorite outfit. Like I so don't care about pictures of myself.
1: Okay. Pass, pass. Fine. Last question. How do you unwind at the end of the day? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like how I'd like to unwind or how I actually unwind. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to give you the truth.
1: Actual. Yeah.
0: I um, remove my pretty sweater that I'm wearing on Zoom and back into my sweatpants, and me and my dog sit in front of Netflix and binge, like Sabrina the Teenage Witch right now. So yeah, that's my life.
1: <laughs> I love it. That sounds pretty good to me. I don't even need the.
2: <laughs> I don't want the fake answer. That's the Fritz, answer. You, you're perfect. wearing a
1: Zoom sweater.
2: Like the sweater is like just for yeah, show.
0: Totally. This is this is just for you guys because it's like a really pretty sweater it's very pretty
2: um, it's a hot pink sweater
0: it's a hot pink sweater with like a really cool deep v-neck and it's cashmere so i'm it's like really, really, really freaking hot it's
2: it's very oh, you can just don't worry you can change well, that up in two seconds <laughs> you could go <laughs> um, be nude like you'd it's rather really be cool. anyway oh yeah i'll just yeah. do it right here <laughs> <laughs> oh thanks oh, for putting on the sweater for us and and, yeah, and showing and up and
0: makeup you know
2: i mean it's <laughs> no, you look beautiful you always look beautiful makeup no makeup
0: thank you clothes, no the
2: effort. Yeah. <laughs> you look great
1: you are great thank, thank you for, talking for coming to on us. the podcast my Congrats pleasure and
0: best of luck with this uh, you know aging shit we're all in it together
1: <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the show it's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. we also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you
2: love to share a Razawan One product with you or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at
1: Fat mascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off.